Welcome to Across the Rail Podcast. Our episode today is a little different. It's an interview with a very close friend of mine about his experience as a same-sex attracted man in the Pentecostal church. While most times we vigorously discuss and debate the issues of the day here, sometimes you just need to listen. I apologize ahead of time for some of the varying audio levels, but if you listen real close, you can hear the the sounds of a Texas Hill Country evening in the background. Warning, we're not the men in black from the pulpit, but from the pews across the rail. Welcome to Across the Rail podcast, Methodist lay people discussing current issue, current issues, church stuff, and uh, just uh, things that uh, we think we need to talk about. Uh, I'm here. Uh, in Texas, uh, talking to a lifelong friend. His name is Lee, and uh, Lee has uh, been in the church a long time, and uh, uh, Lee has some issues, and, and I've wanted to interview him for a while, he, he, uh, and I just think this would be a very good and important topic to discuss uh, from a loving friendship uh, point of view. So, uh, Lee, I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself and kind of give you your uh, a quick minute, a uh, quick five minute uh, rundown of your uh, of your life story. Well, I'm glad to be here, Greg. Thank you for this opportunity. Um, I hope that whatever the uh, content of this podcast is, that it's helpful to people, that it furthers their relationship with the Lord and helps them just explore some of the uh, nuances of difficult issues. Um, that we're here to talk about and so that's that's my goal Um, it's not to persuade anybody about anything in particular one way or another okay it's to tell how my own journey right and and just the direction i'm walking and what i understand at this point in my life right so uh i was raised uh in a pentecostal home that's okay to say on a Methodist podcast, right? I think it is, since Methodists are very <laughs> friendly and uh, very uh, open to the gifts of the Spirit. Okay, so fourth generation here, uh, raised by uh, an ordained minister okay. and in a godly home, and um, loved the church, grew up involved, never rebelled, loved the Lord, got saved. I went to the... I walked the sawdust trail, as they say, every Sunday night, gave my heart to the Lord until he was probably sick of seeing me. <laughs> so anyway, I just grew up loving the Lord and around great people that were godly and set a beautiful, wonderful example in my life. And uh, so went into the ministry, studied four years uh, in my denomination's uh, Bible college university and uh, then did a fifth year studying music. I've been a musician all my life. And um, so that's that's my theological background. Um, just love the Lord and I did go into ministry. I pastored, I worked on church staffs. I've been minister of music, worked with youth, um, kind of ran the gamut, was married seven years, have two amazing grown sons and um and and as far as my relationship goes with my ex-wife we are good friends i'm good friends with her husband as well and we have even vacation together right and just um you know it's we just have a very uh i don't know god has healed a lot of wounds and helped us build a lot of bridges right and and that's one of the things that has been my goal in life is to help people find bridges uh, in relationships and over issues that are difficult. So um, I, I hope that is accomplished here. Okay. Um, one of the reasons that, that I wanted to uh, uh, bring you on is, is I wanted to talk about your personal relationship with Christ and how it has been, um, how, how it, it works with your um, uh, uh, also, uh, if I may be saying that, that you uh, uh, identify as an androphile, and and I don't and and if I correct me if I'm uh, well, let's define that term. Oh, that that's what I kind of want. Yeah, to get. Let's to. let's just cut to the chase. We'll define that term. 
Um, as he, I said, I was married for seven right. years. Um, Linda's the only woman that uh, I was ever uh, involved with. And um, I wanted to fit a mold. Okay. I tried. Uh, androphile means um, andro, meaning man or male, and file, meaning love. Uh, I'm same-sex attracted. Okay. Always have been, never known anything else. Mm. Um, didn't know anybody growing up that struggled with this, mm. especially in a church context. Right. So I had to uh, blaze my own trail. And um, so, yeah, that was, that's been tough. That's excruciating. It's not just tough. It's been excruciating at times. Let me unpack that. Uh, you, you said that you walked the sawdust trail many times. What, uh, how would you define your personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Well, um, I think it's passionate. I don't know if part of that is personality. Part of that is just that's the way I was raised in church. Right. Right. We were very expressive in worship. Mm -hmm. um, we, we wanted to uh, know the depths of God's glory in a relationship with him intimacy with Christ through the power of the Holy Ghost and so that's that's all I've ever known it's all I've ever wanted to do and then of course I wanted to help other people find that experience and we successfully saw that uh, in my ministry um, in the process of coping with this issue uh, there were a couple years where the Lord and I weren't on speaking terms mm. and I missed God and I read a book called Search for Significance, which was a tremendous help because being raised the way I was, I was always, I was raised eternal insecure, mm, okay. eternally insecure. So uh, I always felt like if I wasn't perfect at any given moment and Jesus came back, I wouldn't make the rapture. Mm. I, I'd bust hell wide open. That's a horrible thing to grow up with as a child. Right. And, uh, and that's, I don't know if that's a fault of my understanding or a fault of those who were influencing me, but uh, it was damaging. And as I grew to knew the Lord, and I read this book, Search for Significance, there was a line in there that I did not know. Um, it, was a, it was a theological understanding that was foreign to me, and it said, your acceptance by God is not predicated by the perfection of your performance. And when I read that, a load lifted off my shoulders. And God said to me, I felt him speak or impress me in my spirit. Just walk with me on this journey, hand in hand, like we've done every other issue in your life, now and in the future, and just relax in the relationship. Mm. And I felt like at that moment I could exhale. Wow. And there was some relief there that God wasn't looking for excuses. Right. To see me fry. Oh, yeah. No. I mean, um, the, the very definition of God, uh, you know, as Wesleyans, we believe in provenient grace, the grace that goes before, the grace that searches us out. Uh, we, we Wesleyans love that hymn where, or that, that chorus where it talks about, oh, the overwhelming uh, never-ending, reckless love of God. You I know, love it that. comes after me. It it leaves the ninety. The hound of heaven. That's exactly right. We're, we we uh, we we subscribe to that, and I I believe that. I believe God is not willing for any person. Well, the scripture says He's forever married to the backslider. That's right. And 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 there's something about that when your heart is bent on walking towards the cross and the eternal city. And God knows that. Mm. Uh, there's a whole lot of Earth's issues right. that we're going to encounter, whether it's this or something else. Right. And I've just come to understand that the grace of God is beyond comprehension. And that is very true. There, there are yes. ditches on both sides of the road. Right. You can go to extremes one way or the other. I don't want to do that. Um, I just was kind of raised in an extreme mentality that was very scary. Mm. And, you know, I always felt like if <laughs> I remember growing up, if I didn't know where my parents were, I would call my neighbors. Thank God it was before uh, caller ID. 
And I would call my neighbor who went to our church. It was a godly woman. And if she answered the phone, I'd hang up real quick because I knew the Lord hadn't come. Oh, my heavens. So that's how scary it was. Wow. And if she didn't answer, I'd go on to the next church lady that, I knew. That's hyper. <laughs> I mean, as Wesleyans, we're Arminian, which means that... You know, your your relationship with God is dynamic. You're not predestined to be eternally secure. and right. It's not irresistible God's grace. Right. But, but hyper-Arminianism means if you sneeze and, yeah. and say S-H-I-T, that means you're but, going to hell. Well, but part of my personality, and could be some family influence too, right. was perfectionism. Well, well, there you go. And, that's the, and, and perfectionism is an offshoot of legalism. Yes, indeed. And, and, and every... Every and Wesleyans, Methodists are the was the original holiness denomination. Yeah. Okay. And we fight that too. I mean, the, look at all the look at all the holiness generations or, or denominations that came after the Methodists, yes. the, the Wesleyan Church, the and, Free Methodists, and you know the, the thing is, we yeah. were all well intentioned. I, I went I went from one Pentecostal denomination that had laid aside a lot of the legalism and went into one that was far more strict, but that fit my personality because. I felt like if I could keep enough rules, I could run away right. from my issue. Mm. And that fit my personality in that I was so passionate about God, whereas I felt like my denomination was cooling off. Mm. These people over here were fired up. They were. And man, I was all about all it. like Donkey Kong. We were ready to run some miles. <laughs> well, let me ask you a question. At, you know, since you've talked about uh, your same-sex attraction, or, and, and Andrew... Philitic, andro, well, that yeah. the the androphilitic tendencies. Okay. okay, if that's even a word, uh, it is now. It is now. That's right. Have you ever, and and I'm going to ask it. Uh, have you ever encountered negative attitudes from church oh, members? Absolutely, because they have known or found out, or not as much, or just assumed. Not as much from people that knew me well. Okay, because they loved me. Right. Um. There were a couple of instances. One, I visited a church of some dear friends of mine that I had actually lived with at one time and helped them in their church in New Jersey. Worked with them, loved them. We had a great time. She was like a sister I never had. And uh, her husband was a great man of God, great pastor. Well, I took my mother and we visited their church uh, where in the city where I was living at the time. And, of course, this issue has been hot and heavy in the media, right. especially in political years. Yep, yep. And it was kind of reaching a boiling point at that point. Well, so they knew about me. And there I'm sitting in their church knowing I was there. And he got on that issue. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, well, let me have it. Wow. How, how did you respond to that? You we, just sit there? We just... At the end of the service, stood there and took, or sat there and took it. At the end of the service, we left, and we didn't even stick around to visit. Wow. And I haven't spoken with them since, not because I wouldn't, right, but because they made their feelings very clear about where I stood with them. Mm -hmm. So I let that go, and uh, I grieve that loss to this day. The other thing that I will never forget is the Sunday after the Supreme Court approved gay marriage and I don't like that term gay it's just it, there's so many stereotypes that go with that that do not fit me I just can't accept that label um, and that's why I choose the other term um, and, and it doesn't fit me in politically religiously culturally in in any way so that said I went to church Sunday morning after the Supreme Court approved that, and I think that was June of 2015, if I'm not mistaken. And my mom was living with me at the time, and she said, now you don't have to go this morning if you don't want to. And I said, well, no, I'm going to go. I'm going to take my licks. Hmm. So I went, and of course, Sunday school, she's up there weeping and crying and carrying on, and horrible everything is, and America's going to hell in a handbasket. And then Sunday morning service, pastor gets up. He was negative anyway about all the, any subject mm. all the time. So he gets up, and of course that's all he can talk about. And at the end of the service, um, after he's just berated, 
people that didn't fit his mold. Um, he said, now I want everybody in this church, and this is a good-sized church, probably 600 people at least. I want everybody in this church that promises to pray for the homosexuals, stand up. And the whole church stood up except me. And I sat there and kept my seat in just morbid embarrassment. Mm -hmm. uh, but I kept my seat um, to stand up a little bit for myself. Right. Um, against that kind of abuse and just let people draw whatever conclusions they want to draw. So those were two instances that were just very, very painful. Wow. But of course, yeah, I mean, I run into people that feel like they're Christians and they don't understand, and that's fine. But usually most people are decent. Um, I guess unless you've lived under a rock these last <laughs> four or five years, um, you can see the writing on the wall in our in our little uh, realm of, of our little neighborhood of, of Protestant Christianity, uh, there's going to be a split uh, in the United Methodist Church. And, uh, and while the presenting issue seems to be the ordination of uh, androphiles. Um, and, and but, however, let, can I stop you? Uh, sure. The vast majority of people who are same-sex attracted don't identify that way. Okay. I do it to distance myself from the stereotype. Okay. From all of the baggage that comes along with that. Okay. Um, so that's why I identify with that term. Okay. And, and uh, you know, I just, labels are kind of problematic anyway, I think, because it gives people a handle on you that may or may not fit well. Okay. But they immediately draw conclusions about you based on that label, and they don't know anything about you. Okay. But they think they do based on some either self-given label or label assigned to you. And I think that's unfair. Hmm. Because that, don't judge me by those people. Right. Well, like I said, the presenting issue is that, but it is reflective. It, it is a symptom of a larger issue in the UFC, yes. Yes. which is the high view of Scripture. Right. Does, you know, it's basically you go back to the Garden of Eden. Did God really say? Right. And... Is is that I guess the the question I'm 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 asking? Do you do you what what are your positions and what do you think about ordination of same sex attracted? If if I can use that moniker, uh, same sex attracted uh, pastors or church leadership. What what is your position and what are your uh, thoughts on that? Well, you know who you appoint in leadership in a church um, is an issue that comes long after you have decided a lot of issues before that. Right. You know, where do you stand on the issue? I mean, if you're, if you're fine with, with understanding this issue as I do, then yes, of course, there is, um, there are people that need to be reached. Okay. Um, and we send missionaries to geographical areas because, for whatever reason, they're either called there or they're a good fit for reaching those people for the Lord. Right. Okay, so is it possible that there are some people groups, some demographics that people like me are better suited for reaching than others? There very could be. Well, let me. There probably is. Well, since there's no stratification of sin, would you, would, would a person that, uh, if the church viewed drunkenness as as uh, um, not necessarily something a quality of, of, of Christian life that should be married right. by a church leader, would 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 you say that it's okay to ordain a a, a drunk or ordain a serial adulterer uh, to to lead a flock because they can minister to people that have sexual proclivities outside their heterosexuality? Well, that, okay, so so that question assumes that this is um, an issue that is unacceptable to God. Explain. So, um, okay, so... Well, 
it assumes that... Okay, let me back up. Since the dawn of time, there have been people same-sex attracted. Without a doubt. Okay. It has crossed every economic line, every social line, every cultural line throughout history. It is... So... There are just so many of these kinds of things that need to be factored into this issue before we start deciding who can minister to who. And it because it, it's assuming that this is unacceptable to God and to the church. Okay. I don't believe that. Okay. I believe we're responsible for how we live within the context we're born either you know with our personalities or you know we left-handed right-handed blue-eyed brown-eyed you know we so i equate orientation and of course this goes back to the nature versus nurture issue sure there's some of that that factors into this too so my point is these issues are complicated and we're trying to reduce it to these simplistic things okay so it's equating it with drunkenness and I'm saying, oh, let's not let's not think that shallow. Let's consider the fact that this issue has been around humanity forever. And we need to go back and look at the scriptures and put them in historical, cultural context. It's very easy in 2021 to look at these passages, what we call the clobber scriptures. Right. And interpret them through our American 21st century Christian lens, our mindsets, and say, oh, yeah, see, it's it's wrong. Well, there's a Bible interpretation rule that says a scripture cannot say today what it never said. Okay. So was the writer of those passages writing against what we know today was was what we see here and live next door to was that present when those passages were written no what was present what was present was idolatry and god said i don't want you involved with that man don't lie with a man because that was happening in pagan temples as part of idolatrous worship. Well, so there were also heterosexual acts that were taking place in those pagan yep. temples too, but that didn't make heterosexual activity a sin forever. No, what it did is heterosexuality or heterosexual behavior outside the covenant of marriage. Which is defined how in the Bible? One man, one woman, traditionally you'd have orthodox. A, you'd have a hard time convincing Solomon of that. That's very true, and I think uh, uh, I think we've come to find out that it's probably best, even though some of the patriarchs did it. Uh, it tends to work out best if one man marries one woman. And and you know what? I, as a parent, uh, having been married, and still loving my ex-wife, just as a wonderful friend, right. I, that is the perfect context for raising children. In our day and age, that's how our culture is doing it. That's how we've done it for quite some time, and it works. But what also worked was, I'm going to get in trouble here. (laughs) I say in trouble. A single breadwinner, (laughs) a single breadwinner, children being nurtured by their mother, and and with godly influence, and not being raised by daycares, nannies. The public school system, but we've abandoned that. But that's okay. I, apparently, it's not the best. It's common. It's not the best. I would agree. It's not the best. Yeah, I would agree that even though I mean the United Methodist Church allows to ordain divorce divorcees, it's we, not the best. It's we not re- ideal. We remarry divorced people. It's a cultural accommodation. And some churches, and here's the thing, there's a lot of committed believers in other denominations that would disagree with doing that. Absolutely. And we've got a lot of division in the church over this and many other issues that we cannot seem to figure out. Okay, so I'm saying when you've got half of the church that thinks this way and half of the church that thinks this way, then 
doesn't that tell us that some of these issues are a little too complicated to reduce to some simple man shall not lie with a man. So that means anyone who's same sex attracted is hell bound. No. Okay. Right. No, I know you don't say that, but, but there are plenty of people that would. Well, here's the thing. I mean, same, a, a heterosexually attracted person, if they, the orthodox teaching of the church has been, if they commit, if they have sex, we call it fornication. That's a very old, tired, archaic word, but that has been condemned by the church forever. Sex outside the bond of marriage has been condemned since there was a church. It was condemned by the Jewish scriptures, you know, by the Jewish Torah. I mean, it was all that stuff. And I'm going to jump into an area that, that uh, I think we've kind of swerved into since we're going to be crazy and uh, <laughs> go wheels off here. Let's, let's do this. Do, do you, are you interested are you wanting to eventually change the word, the meaning, the interpretation of the Bible to better fit your theology? Is that a serious question? I'm just, I'm just Ooh, asking the question. That I'm is, opening the door for you to walk right that through. That is so loaded. Uh, <laughs> oh, my word. That is just laden with condescension and... Well, not condescension. Oh, I'm yeah. Not, I'm not, no. no. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's heavy with with a lot of stuff, a lot of baggage that that assumes a lot. Like, you're not a you're not a serious Christian because you would actually change the Word of God to fit what your whims mm. and and think that you know that that's almost. Mm. It, someone who's sensitive could take that as insulting because it really kind of is that I'm not a serious enough believer, that I don't love the Lord enough, that I would want to strive to conform my life to the Word. My desire to conform to the Word is proven by the fact that I want to leave the Word in its historical cultural context right. and not interpret it with the 20th century, 21st century American Christian evangelical. Well, let me ask you. You run it through enough filters. Okay. And so, no, I do not want to change the Word of God. I want to interpret it correctly. Okay. So, and, and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, and we're getting close to our first break here, but I, I want to correctly understand what I just heard that perhaps it's not, you don't want to change the Word of God you just disagree with the interpretation. Would that be an accurate? The traditional interpretation. The, the traditional evangelical interpretation. And, and what I would ask people to do is, uh, given the scientific facts that are coming to light, all of the, um, well, for instance, there was a time when the church wasn't very keen on women in any kind of leadership position. Although the church has been the protector of women's rights above Judaism and Islamic, uh, you know, it, it, the, the, the Islamic faith. There's, there's, I mean, it's been very liberating because prior to that... And I believe that's what the gospel does for women. It, it does. It, but it, there were a lot lifts, of denominations that weren't in, in alignment with the Word of God on that issue. Yes, none of them were Wesleyan. <laughs> But not all the church is Wesleyan. I understand. I understand. And so, understand. you know, you, I'm just, you, you've I'm just got plugging you, for my brand there. <laughs> you've got you're good at that. You're you've got enormous parts of the church that are, are in disagreement on this issue, that issue, whatever. And each group thinks they're right. Right. So can we not be objective and say, OK, well, we need to sit with this for a little longer and walk together until we get this thing figured out. But the issue of women, the issue of slavery, there were significant portions of the church that were quite ready to leave the institution of slavery in place. And the other issue is science issues. Right. Um, the whole uh, issue with, is the world flat or round? Well, Galileo was a heretic right. for many years. Sure. Sure. So the church has had to play catch up on a number of issues. And I'm saying, in retrospect, 200 years from now, Lord Terry's, 
we're going to look back and we're going to be playing catch up with this issue too. Very good. And we'll be back. Okay, we're back here with Lee, and uh, we're discussing some uh, some other issues. So, let me uh, um, let me ask you this: um, What are your views of living a celibate, uh, same-sex attracted uh, life? Do you think that's a middle way between what a lot of the church views as orthodoxy versus? Well, or or is that unsustainable in your opinion? When I was pastoring a church in the context of this community, right, same-sex attracted community, I told people that I would support them wherever they were on their journey. Okay, you know, if they were in a relationship and it was it was a responsible relationship, it was a you know that all you know if it was healthy, right, I supported them. If if it was not, of course, you know, you encourage people to get out of those dysfunctional relationships. If they felt like they just could not find peace, they were welcome under my umbrella to worship with us. If they identified with our little niche community, fine. I would support them in their celibacy. I wasn't trying to convince people one way or the other. And I did the same thing politically, whether they were, lib- you know, liberal or conservative. Sure. I just... You know, I was ju- I was their pastor. I was their shepherd. I was there to keep pointing them to the cross. There is a a man by the name of Andrew Marin in Chicago that is, I think, just a tremendous guy. Has had a tremendous ministry in Chicago. Straight guy. Prior to being married to a woman, uh, he f- found out that some of his best friends were same-sex attracted. He was devastated, and he was really ticked off with God. That why would you let my friends be this way and here I, you know it's embarrassing I don't want to be associated with them and he felt now this is his words he uh-huh. felt God speaking to him says um, you know why why wouldn't I why wouldn't I you know want you to be so anyway long story he wrote a book called Love is an Orientation and God called him to Boys Town Chicago mm. to minister to that community wow now I, you know, I say that community. It's the gay community because that's the term most people know. That's that's. I, I learned the, something tonight. That's I, even the yeah. term he uses. Okay. That's how they identify. So uh, that's what it was. It was the gay community in Chicago. And so he was called there. He uh, he married a woman, and they live there. They're raising their family there. And he wrote this book, Love Is an Orientation. His only goal was not to convince people one way or the other, which I appreciate. So you talk about a third way. Right. His desire was to build bridges of communication between the evangelical church and the gay community. And as part of that, whenever there was a pride celebration, he and all of his workers were out there with T-shirts on that said, I am so sorry for what the church has done to you. Now, a lot of the church hated that and hated him for it. But that so melted the hearts of some of those people that they were trying to reach that somebody from that community would get out there and say, and and acknowledge their pain, acknowledge their experience, things like I went through. Right. And that there was a sympathetic, empathetic person out there who wasn't gay himself, but just wanted to be an extension of the love of God. Mm. And just in compassion, reach out and say, I'm sorry. I, I don't know what you went through, but I am so sorry. Wow. I'm sorry you were hurt. Tremendous guy. Tremendous book. So anyway, that helped me a lot. And, and I just think we need more of that kind of, you know, get off the bandstand, get off the soapbox, you know, quit being so convinced of your own rightness. Right. And let's sit down to the table as two human beings and talk and get up as friends. And if we don't come to an answer today, maybe we will tomorrow. 
And that he had that kind of approach, and that's missing in most of the church. Most everybody wants to get up and breathe fire mm-hmm. on from one side or the other. And they, right. what does that accomplish? Nothing. So. How, when you, when you um, and I think you, we kind of answered this, it, it seems like, correct me if I'm wrong, you never have a problem doing that. So, <laughs> so if, if uh, you consider you self-identify as a Christian first, right. that has same-sex attraction. Indeed. Uh, I know one of the things that's going on, uh, you may or may not be familiar with the ACNA, the Anglican Church in North America. It's the conservative split from the Episcopal Church. Right. And um, the last bishop that would not, um, that would not officiate at same-sex weddings, uh, he finally left. He was censured. He lost his uh, diocese, I guess is the, the pop, proper Episcopalian term in New York, and he became an ACNA bishop. But one of the things that the ACNA came out, their College of Bishops, they made a statement and they said, um, while we love our same-sex attracted folks, we do not or we don't believe it is Christ-like to identify first as our human proclivities, but identify first as a follower of Jesus Christ that happens to be I love same-sex that. attracted. I love that. So you have, would you? I love that. Okay. Just wanted to ask that. And, I mean, and that, that reminds me of the words of Jesus to the disciples. Do you love me more than these? Well, there you go. I mean, I am a. He comes first. Well, it's just like it's just like me, Lee. I'm I, I'm a I'm a Christian that that has problems. I I uh, you know. I'm, but see, I think the world needs to hear that. I, I, I have lust issues, and 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 I'm I don't define myself for my. You and every other man in this world. There you go. Okay, so. so so, so I wouldn't what? put that I'm a lust-filled Christian. No. I would always put a Christian that this it is comes... my besetting sin. Right. So I think the world needs to see a different face of the church. In fact, I heard someone someone in the Christian community leadership that's significant said, I have never seen the face of the church so angry. Wow. Hmm. That just screams volumes to me. How sad that the world sees that. I mean, the more I read the scripture... Uh, the more I see Jesus, um, you know, when, when the disciples were going through and they were hungry and they it happened to be the Sabbath. Right. And, yep. They grabbed a few ears of corn, so big deal. Yep. Yeah, and the, the Pharisees, Pharisees were, were ready to send them <laughs> packing. Yep. So, and Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for you. Right. You weren't made to serve the Sabbath. Correct. So I think there needs to be more humility, more transparency, putting Scripture back, letting Scripture interpret Scripture, which goes back to my point about putting Scripture back in its historical, cultural context and understanding the whole of Scripture. I can take, there's more Scriptures uh, (laughs) about things that no Christian, very few Christians want to do today, but they'll say, oh, that's cultural. Right. And so they... Oh, they just disregard it completely. But it's far more explicit about that than it is about, you know, what is homosexuality? What is, you know, versus idolatry in the Old Testament? And, and you know, how do, how do you say they're not necessarily the same thing? Right. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things very clear in Scripture that many Christians can just, you know, completely ignore so easily. And just excuse it. Well, it's because just, it's, I've, I've heard so many sermons in, in my past, legalistic, about, you know, fashion or lack thereof, and uh, about cigarettes and alcohol and all this stuff, while uh, the pastor there is uh, well, well aversed and well f- familiar with the buffet table. At, oh, yes, uh, the all-you-can-eat. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and, and I, I always thought that was, uh, that was funny, you know, it... Uh, yeah, for a lot of reasons. Well, you obviously love the Lord, and it's obviously you feel that God has forgiven you, or or it's um, it, your your sexual attraction is not a a barrier between. Closeness. It didn't take God by surprise, right? 
every trip to that altar as a child. Sure. He knew things that were coming down my road that I didn't know. At, at what point, let me ask you a question, and this is just purient curiosity. What, at what point in your life did you realize you were same-sex attracted? Oh. <laughs> I would say probably late elementary school. Hmm. I didn't know what it was. I thought right. it was. I thought it was normal. Well, who doesn't? I've well, at that age, I mean, what, sure. what are you at sixth grade? Yeah. You know, you're what eleven. Yeah, puberty starts to hit. At least me, I was a late bloomer, seventh and eighth grade, and and I was the most awkward thing on the planet. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. and some of those early experiences, um, you know, you don't forget. They scar yeah. you. And well, kids, are kids, oh, kids oh. are quick to identify the weak link. Yeah, they're like chickens. Yeah, and and them. then you grow up in church in a perfectionist, legalistic, family church culture, and you're never good enough. Ever. Mm-hmm. You got to try harder. You got to pray more. You got to read more. You got to witness more. It's never enough. Mm-hmm. And so you're unacceptable. You grow up with this. You look in the mirror and think, I'm just, I'm just unacceptable to God and everybody. Wow. And so you grow up with a low self-esteem uh, and I think a lot of people can relate to this, even if they're not dealing with this issue. Right. Um, you know, they just they just feel beat up. And I just don't see, I, you know, I see Jesus as a gatherer, as a healer, uh, a comforter. Uh, Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, or, you know, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. My burden is easy. You know, it's... Yoke is light. Yeah, so... Uh, I, yes, Christian life can be tough, uh, but we don't need to make it tougher than it is. Right. It, it's it's the world it's, makes it pretty tough, right. as it is. It's, absolutely, it's um, well. It's it's it it's tough. It's accepting. It's loving. It's it's half grace and truth. Yes. My my mother could easily love and nurture me and she could easily slap you know put my head on a on a swivel and we all need both once right we we right and and so let me ask you a question if if god is graceful and truthful do you and this is another presenting issue and in in our little wesleyan the, the the christian wesleyan world uh we have we have a lot of people that don't believe in a literal hell mm. so what do you believe do you believe in a literal heaven and hell I always have. I probably always will. I can't imagine not. Okay. I know there's differences of opinion on that. And a lot of these things, no, but none of us, I don't care who you are out there in radio land. Pod land. <laughs> Does that date Pod- me? Oh, well, Podcast yeah. land. Oh, shoot. <laughs> TV land. <laughs> wherever you are. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's... there's um, there, there, there's a lot of this stuff. We can't put any of these things under a microscope and prove it. Uh, can you? No, I mean that—that's where faith comes in. Although I do know faith we comes can draw by hearing, and hearing by we, the word of God. So that brings based us back on to the word of God. your culture and interpretation, and right. your teaching and your reading. But Jesus and, talked about hell and said it was fiery and smoky and yeah. All no, the I, I have no problem with that. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, that's him talking. That's, yeah, yeah, that's not me. I've I, got no issue with that. I just don't want to go there. So. If you died, if I died, if we both died, if this tree we're sitting under in this beautiful Texas sky, if this tree fell on us and killed us both, where would you be? In the arms of grace. Okay. In the grip of grace. Okay. I believe that too. And, you know, I mean, this is a thought in thinking about this issue and this interview and all of that. I, if you look throughout the church world, even just today, much less history. This issue has been so prevalent in the church and we have turned a blind eye to it as long as the organist was good enough, as long as the choir director did a great job. <laughs> so, someone close to me said one time that, that if all of the uh, same-sex attracted folks left the church... Oh, the we... music department would collapse. <laughs> and I've been in a music department, I know. 
Yeah, no, there's uh. there's no doubt about that. But gospel music, Nashville, the Southern gospel feel. You know, David was a musician, and there's something. You know, the relationship with Jonathan and David. You know, that has been brought up. Yes, recently. and that is. Yeah. Uh, Arguable both ways, I suppose. Right. You know, depending on your perspective. Uh, David loved the women folk, though. David loved <laughs> Jonathan more than his love for a woman. Well, that's what it says. So, I, but he, my point was, David was a musician, so he had that artistic musician. He had an equal balance left and right brain. He heart. Went, yeah, yeah. He was a heart man. Yeah. And I think anybody that has ever read a psalm knows that. Sure. And Poet. I mean, yes. he had a way with words. Yeah. Yes. And so is it any shock that in the musical wing of the church, gospel music or whatever, that people who are artistic and musical and talented and gifted in that arena would possibly be so inclined as so many artistic people are sure. in the world? Yep. Okay, so I'm just saying let's let's just calm down. Let's look at these issues objectively, and let's not just write people off. It's easy to do when you don't know somebody. It's harder to do when you love a family member that is coping with this. You're not quite as quick to just write them off as sure, a heretic a, and well, well, that's you know, just go ahead and go on to hell. That's sinful. No, you so, fight for people. Right, but we don't tend to fight for people we don't know. And that's a sad indictment on us, on the church. So if we could love them the way God loves them, see them the way God sees them, and let's look objectively at the science, let's look objectively at history, the culture, uh, what we're learning today sociologically about all these things. Um, I'm just saying the church has got some catching up to do on this issue as they have other issues in its history. That's just my my opinion. Well, I'm, I'm, I am here to listen. But, I, this buddy, is not a debate. I'm, I'm just here to listen. It's been in the church forever, right? and it will forever be there. You can make all the rules you want, right? but there are people in the pews, there's people in the choir, there's people on those musician benches, and, and they're struggling. And I have sat there and listened to sermons and been beat up. Mm. That's not fun. And... I've said this many times. I am in the church today with splinters of the old rugged cross under my fingernails trying to hold on. That's that's a powerful description. It's an accurate description. And when someone loves God and wants to go to heaven, do not be a stumbling block in their path and make it harder. Now, if if their heart's not set on walking towards the cross and laying everything before the Lord, you know, Andrew Merrin in his book says, he, he asks evangelical Christians, you know, are you willing to, um, are you willing to accept these people? He asks gay people, are you willing to lay aside your sexuality? I mean, equally difficult questions. Sure. He asks equally, you know, both sides. Well, that that in, when you say accepting, let's let's peel that onion back a little bit. So, is acceptance, if if not allowed in church leadership, is acceptance being in the church but not in church leadership, or is acceptance you know what? meaning all doors are ultimately? Open? I don't care what any denomination says; it's not up to them. The Scripture says, "The Lord knows them that are His." Mm. And every man stands or falls before his own master. Right. The United Methodist Church, the Assemblies of God, United Pentecostal Church, First Baptist, they don't decide. Mm. They're not the gatekeepers. There is one who knows whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and that's the Lord well, Jesus he Christ. Say, he does say that his sheep know his voice. Yes, sir. Yeah, you're right. So if God doesn't create and... And these are questions, so I'm just, uh, uh, I, I, I'm continuing to listen and learn here. If, if God does not create error, 
and uh, as Methodists, we don't believe that God creates chaos. We like a methodical. We're almost to the point of anal retentive. Yeah, he doesn't make mistakes. Well, that's there the kind of where I'm going. Have you ever been angry? It sounds like I probably can answer this question, but have you ever been angry at God for the tension that you feel being same-sex attracted and yet having the splinters of not, the old Not a, in a blaming sense. Not in a blaming sense. Uh, like any human being, I've questioned God about things, things in my family that they struggle with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've struggled in my own journey. But so often, whether it's this issue or anything else that people deal with in life, it's our struggles that keep us running back to the altar, running back to the cross, running back to the Word, right. saying, Lord, hold my hand. Precious Lord, take my hand. You know, lead me on. <laughs> wow. It, you know, the journey's tough. And when God spoke to me those words, relax in the relationship. We'll walk through this issue just like we have others. That has never left me. And I had a dream when I was a child uh, I say child, I was a teenager, I guess. It had three seemingly unrelated aspects. And uh, the first one, the Lord showed me the inside of our church. And I was walking down the center aisle towards the back on the left. Brother McCoskey always sat back there. And he looked at me and he said, value your heritage. And I never, ever, ever forgot that. Value your heritage. And boy, I have. I researched the history of my church. I've been an advocate for church history and, right. and all of that and, and just love my Pentecostal heritage. So the second phase of that dream was uh, Micah 6.8. He has shown the old man what, what is good required. and what doth the Lord require yeah. thee but to do justly, love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. So I'm just trying to walk humbly. And the third aspect of that, I was in the crow's nest of a Spanish galleon. And I heard my dad's voice. The ship was tossed in a storm. And I was in that crow's nest at the top of that mast. And I remember the sickening feeling of being tossed back and forth and back and forth on the waves of that stormy sea. And I heard my dad's voice. And he said, be glad your soul is sure. And the dream was over and I woke up. Mm. And I have just rested in the grace of God, uh, his goodness, um, I'm comfortable in the grip of grace. Well, I, you know, it's God's grace is 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 so unfathomable, and and because we, you know, we judge so imperfectly and unimpartially, if that's a word. Um, We're in the palm of His hand, and. Neither hell nor high water, nor person nor issue can pluck us out. That being said, can you, do you, you know, and being raised up in a Pentecostal, very Orthodox faith, um, do you, is there any heartburn against people that have thought this was an open or shut case and they scratch Mm-mm. their head? Mm-mm. Nope. Love them. My philosophy has always been, you know, when they, when they don't understand, you write it off and just love them. Um, yeah, no, I don't feel that at all. And I just—it's either ignorance, and it's sad. Right. It would make me sad that people are willfully ignorant, or they just don't want to put forth the effort to sit down with someone, or they don't have the heart to do it. That's, those things are sad. They don't make me angry or unforgiving or bitter or anything like that. Hmm. It's their loss. One other question I have, and I, I just, Lee, I just want to thank you for this opportunity to speak to you. And, you know, uh, podcasts and most of our podcasts have always been very, uh, uh, not strident, but uh, we, we, uh, 
you tackle boldly some go. Tough, we, tough we, we talk about a, a and lot. And that's of, good. I commend and, you for that. And, uh, but on the other side, uh, you talked about both sides. And, and when you say gay, that, that has a, a certain yeah, connotation, connotation right. to it. So I'm going to call them progressive. Have the progressive same-sex attracted folks, has that been, and then their cause and their advocacy, has that been a net positive or negative for you? Uh, I think it's been a, a negative. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, I think it's been negative in a lot of ways. Because my philosophy is rather than shove a rainbow flag up somebody's nose and demand that they like you, it would be much better if you took them soup when they're sick. Be a likable neighbor, a friend. Cannot disagree with that. Be a good taxpayer, a citizen, vote, however you believe your however your convictions take you politically. But um yeah, if if you're a likable I just moved to a small country town in Texas. I don't fit their mold. I've walked into an establishment and I go most every afternoon and sit down with men that are very much not like me. But I have but they're very much like the men I think Jesus picked out as disciples. That's, mm. And I like them. They're very real. They're very authentic. Yep. And in little less than a year, I feel a part to a great degree, not 100%. I'm just amazed you've been here a year. And, I mean, people call you out wherever we've gone uh, this weekend. I it's, like it's them. It's amazing. And they know I like them. Right. And I could have, you know self-segregated that's a term i don't know if i'm the one that coined that or somebody else did but i i thought of it one day i thought yeah people self-segregate sure i'm not going to do that i'm going to put myself out there and if they like me fine if they don't you know you just continue being a good person and you either win them over or you don't and you move on right um but yeah i don't fit their mold i wish i did in a lot of ways but i wasn't raised that way I, you know, I am who I am, so I'm authentic. And and I think, you know, I think we've established a good rapport. And that's, so So to answer your question, I think the, the progressive wing has just become so militant, has turned off middle America. Hmm. That huge chunk of, of America that just cannot relate to this hyper-militant, um, just so far out there progressive that contending for issues that only affect you know, about three people out of the entire American population. But, you know, they found them a victim to, con- sure. to you know, champion. And so, yeah, I mean, I just don't think that's productive. Politically, how would you describe yourself? I'm Lee? definitely conservative. I know that. I just wanted on, to set on, it on record here. Yeah, on this <laughs> issue... You know, there'd be people that, that label me liberal. I think it's it's a conservative stand. It's a conservative position to um, be who you are and um, be a self-made person, you right. know. I, I don't see that as a liberal thing. I see that as a very conservative thing to a way of thinking. Sure. Um, sure. I'm not I'm not wording it well. Uh but I've heard other people the log cabin Republicans, you know, it's a it's a gay conservative. Yes. Yes. And and they've talked about some of these issues that, you know, equating orientation with left handedness. Right. And, you know, there's just a certain there was a certain bias against left-handed people for a long time. And, uh, you know, you either are or you aren't. You're just inclined one way or the other. And so that's how I look at this issue. And, um, yeah, I, I see it as a conservative uh, position to to be who you are. And, and I don't know. That, that's just how I look at it. Well, Lee, I tell you what, it has been an absolute pleasure i've uh i, I treasure our friendship and uh i i i, I, I love you like a brother and i and, love that and, and i love you and i appreciate that I, my heart hurts for what the methodist church is going through 
And I don't think it had to be the path. It, it well, it's it's and, like, and again, like I was saying, it's the presenting issue is 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 the same sex attraction. But if it wasn't that, we have bishop we we have bishops that that don't even believe in the virgin birth. They yeah. don't they they it, they're almost gnostic in their yeah. understanding. Yeah. And 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 so if it wasn't that, it would be something. And else. scripture says, "Can two walk together except they be?" Well, that's agreed. right. And everybody screams unity, yeah. and and there is no unity other than the gospel. Of no, Jesus at some Christ. point there's a, a dividing line. Jesus came. He said, "I I'm." Coming to make some divisions. Right. I bring a sword. So, yeah, it's tough. I, you know, these are difficult issues. Well, Lee, God bless you. I thank you for, for spending time with us. And, uh, and if you have any questions, uh, please contact us at, uh, uh, at our handle, across underscore rail on, on Twitter and uh, on our Facebook at uh, Across the Rail uh, podcast. And uh, again, Lee, thank you very much. Uh, God bless, and uh, thank you for being a part of our podcast. It's good to be here. All right, man. Bye-bye. So as we end the podcast today, I want to thank our generous sponsor, Innovative Tooling Services. They provide hole preparation, precision drilling, as well as faster installation tooling and removal expertise for aerospace, any type of aerospace, structural assembly, or disassembly. They're truly on the leading edge of aerospace tooling. You can find this episode and other Cross the Rail episodes on popular platforms like Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you listen on iTunes, please take the time to give us a five-star rating. If you have any questions on this or any other episode, please send your comments to Across the Rail Podcast on Twitter by our handle at Across underscore Rail and on Facebook at Across the Rail Podcast. Please give us a like there and leave us any feedback or questions. Thank you so much for listening. God bless.